Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Welcome to CXR, Careers in Radiology, the voice in your ear for the med student interested in what radiology, radiation oncology, and interventional radiology have to say for themselves. Thinking about a radiologic specialty? Most medical students get little practical exposure to these fields, and there's little time to explore potential options. So I'll do the asking for you. Listen as physicians who completed recent residencies and fellowships in these specialties share a bit about their day-to-day -day work, the things that excite them in their fields, and how to decide if these specialties are right for you. Happy residents choose fields they love. Be curious, think about what's right for you, and please don't be shy to get in touch with me, Fiona, your host and fellow student at cxrpod at gmail.com with any questions or to ask a question of one of our guests. Episode notes from today's interview are available in the description section on all the major platforms, as well as links to any resource we discuss in the episode. Welcome. Today I'd like to welcome Dr. Chris Ganji. He's an alumnus of the Boston University Biomedical Engineering Program and the Medical Science Program and Medical School at Drexel University. And he's a current thoracic radiologist at Yale New Haven Hospital, where he is on the faculty and is a fellowship director at Yale University. He is a diagnostic radiologist uh, and primarily focuses on thoracic radiology. That encompasses a variety of diagnostic and image-guided therapeutic techniques, including all aspects of radiological diagnosis, from nuclear radiology, to diagnostic ultrasound, to magnetic resonance, interventional procedures, and computed tomography, which is a principal area of focus for Dr. Ganji, who is a chest radiologist. A warm welcome to you, Dr. Ganji. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for being here today. I think to to start out, we would like to hear uh, what what consists of a, a typical week or a typical day uh, in thoracic radiology for sure. you. Sure. Um, so I, I'm I'm a um, I really specialize very much in thoracic radiology, and uh, I work at a, a large academic medical center. Um, and the thoracic radiologists who um, our specialists and do this in the academic world. Uh, really, uh, for the most part, I, I just come in from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. On a, on a usual day and I read chest CTs and chest x-rays. Uh, so for the most part, um, I, I will do that. Uh, so the clinical work usually takes up four to five days a week. Uh, so it's either Monday through Friday and then uh, three to five days a month, I have academic days where essentially I'm expected to work eight to five, but I'm doing either administrative projects like you know, running the chess fellowship program, or uh, I do a lot of IT work as well. Or, you know, I do do some research, um, you know, whether it's reviewing cases or um, you know, helping residents make presentations and things like that. No, but for the most part, it's an eight to five job. Now, um, of course, someone has to cover in radiology and evenings and weekends. So this is sort of like how much of that you have to do depends on the job you get. Uh, with my current job, effectively, all the, the evenings and weekends are optional. Um, you know, they, they ask everyone if they want to take some. Um, 
And if you do, you get extra pay. So I do try to take a, you know one or two weekends and one、mm-hmm. or two evenings a, a month. But but for the most part, it's optional. And you know, different people like to you know work different amounts of time. And I guess when you start out, you're always like excited to do as much work as you can. But、uh, you kind of dial it back. So so right now, it's pretty much an eight to five job. You know, whatever shifts the、uh, attendings don't cover for the evenings and weekends, the fellows and residents. End up doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great, thank you, thank you. So, so you'd say that the schedule is is quite predictable for you,、uh, but that's also by choice. It is, and、yeah. uh, you know, radiology is one of those、um, specialties where,、um, even though somebody does have to cover in the evening, for the most part, you can kind of choose what type of work you want to do. Um, and there's different incentives to, to work at different times. So, as a, as an academic specialist, you're generally working during the day. <laughs> you're kind of there when the students and you know working regular business hours. So, great, great. Thank you for that. That's definitely something to consider、uh, in terms of academic medicine、uh, versus private practice.、Um, yeah. So, would you consider yourself to be more of a Twenty-four-seven person or a nine-to-five. So, are you often thinking about problems when you're supposed to be at home, or are you more able to separate and kind of、uh, maintain that sort of balance between work and and life? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I can turn work off. I guess you know, I have a. You know the hospital issues me with cell phone, <laughs> and uh, uh, but I, I don't. I'm not required to answer it、um, or be on call on times that I'm not, you know, at the hospital or on shift. So I can. You know, the, the challenge for any physician in any specialty is to force yourself to not think about work or do work when you're not, you know, on the clock. And and I will say that,、um, you know, I. I Yeah, there's always that kind of、um, urge to do work, <laughs> to do more work, to read more cases, and take more shifts, and you know, do your emails at all hours of the day. And you just kind of gotta force、mm-hmm. yourself to turn it off. You know, it's been it was it was easy enough when I was going into the hospital every day, and then the pandemic started, and I worked from home more, and then it all kind of blended together. But I've been trying to force myself to to really just turn it off at the end of the day. And,、uh, I don't. I find it pretty easy to do that. I, I really、um, have tried to turn it off. <laughs> you know, the other issue is that、um, because there is incentive to work these, you know, evening and weekend shifts, some radiologists have the urge to try to stack like you know, fifteen or twenty-hour shifts because you do get paid、mm-hmm. more to do that. But unfortunately, you know, your accuracy kind of declines, <laughs> and you're not you're not going to be as as good at your job, I guess, on the the fortieth, fiftieth study that you know you read as as you will on the the first few. So again, you have to kind of push back against that urge that many people in medicine have to just work all the time and do as much work as possible. Yeah,、um, absolutely. I I spoke to a radiologist <laughs> who actually.、Um, He deliberately like leaves his phone outside of his bedroom, so like he cannot he cannot look at it. Um, I mean unless he's on call or something.、Uh, but yeah. yeah, I found that interesting. It it is um it does draw the personalities who are、uh, more likely to do more certainly. Yeah. Um. Uh, how about like early on、uh, as a resident or or、uh, an attending?、Uh, how is well, how is your、problem. 
The problem is when you're a resident, and this goes across any medical specialty, you're going to get pushed to do crazy hours and crazy months of work. And, uh, and there's, there's no, um, that, that's true in radiology as well. You know, we didn't work as long a shift as some of the um, our other clinical specialty, but you were expected to be basically on and doing the work basically continuously, in some cases, 12 or 17 hour shifts. So you kind of come out of residency and started at being an attending with this mindset that you're going to do everything all the time. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of dialing it back. When I started as an attending, I did take a lot more shifts and, you know, to get started. But as you become, I guess, as you grow up as, as I would say grow up as a person, but like, as you, you know, you have a family and you have other commitments, you, you have to be able to sort of dial it back. And, and radiology is um, good as a specialty that you generally are able to dial it back. <laughs> I have colleagues who are in some of the surgical specialties and they, they struggle to reduce their hours and be available at normal people times. But uh, I, um, I will say that in radiology, a lot of it, is, you know, again, it depends slightly on what job you take. But for the most part, if you're an academic and you're a specialist like I am, you're working at a medical center, you really have a lot of control over your schedule. So you, you know, should be able to say, okay, I'm not going to be available after you know, 7 p.m. on weekday nights and, you know, during the weekends or on Sunday or something like that. So. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Um... Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That that balance is incredibly important. Um, uh, speaking of everything or reading lots of cases, um, could you share with us like some of your your common, you know, your bread and butter cases or your most commons that you see uh, with thoracic radiology? Sure. So um, for thoracic radiology, the, the number one issue is going to be lung cancer. Um, and, you know, and, and it's like pretty much any general radiologist is going to know how to spot a big lung mass and you know, people know how to diagnose lung cancer. Yeah. But, but if you're a specialist radiologist, you know, a thoracic radiology specialist, you, you look at lots and lots of cases and you start to really get expertise on things, um, the more complicated cases where it's borderline, where they had one cancer, it was treated, they had another cancer, it was treated. And now Definitely. A small bit of soft tissue growing at the edge of where they had their radiation therapy that, that's the kind of cases that really require a specialist to look at and that's what we do you know in a, most academic centers there's a tumor board or a referral service and the um if you're a specialist radiologist you're going to be associated with one of those um, referral groups and to take the hard cases and really discuss them with the other providers the oncologists the surgeons the radiation therapists and um that's really what I spend most of my time <laughs> doing, and that's what a lot of our cases are. Mm -hmm. So the other the other things that we do in thoracic radiology, um, one of them is uh, this idea of interstitial lung disease. Uh, this is another um, thing I spend a lot of time on. It's a very complicated topic, and it's a little bit more unusual. So more, I guess, generalized practitioners aren't don't see it as much. So again. Mm -hmm. Um, at the center I work at, there's a referral center for interstitial lung disease, and we meet with a pulmonologist and just discuss these cases uh, every week. Um, and that's really part of uh, what we do and what I spend a lot of time on. Mm. Uh, the, the other things, if you guys look up, um, if you guys really are interested and you're looking up thoracic radiology, uh, first, of course, is this idea of infections and pneumonia. <laughs> uh, it's come back to the forefront in the last year, of course, with COVID. Um, Absolutely. But, 
<laughs> but, uh, you know, really what thoracic radiologists are looking for when it comes to pneumonia is things like, again, more complicated cases. So people who are immune suppressed, people who have other diseases, and there's a new finding. I'm not sure whether that's, you know, causing infection or causing the patient's fever. Uh, that sort of thing comes up quite a bit. Um, and of course, there's been a lot of talk about COVID and <laughs> viral pneumonias and what viral pneumonias look like. Of course, of course. And do you read do you read all types of scans basically all day, or would you say, you know, you you mostly look at, you know, CTs or like what's the biggest volume you're normally looking at as a thoracic radiologist? Yeah. So mostly um, chest CTs. Uh, mm. I have sort of job where I almost exclusively read chest CTs. Um, there's also a lot of chest X-rays, um, but we tend to read them very quickly. So I'd say that um, you know 90% of my time I'm looking at chest CTs. Mm. Uh, there's a few chest MRIs um, that go in there, you know, one or two of those a day. And then we also, sorry about the security interruption, <laughs> but um, then we also uh, no problem. Um, do have uh, and we have a lot of chest x-rays you know but they get read quickly in like 20 or 30 minutes and then we just focus on reading chest mm. and we hear a lot that academic centers because they're so high volume and they often see you know patient complex patients with a lot of conditions um would you say that there are a fair amount of of zebras of kind of standout cases in academic medicine yeah, it, it depends. I mean, yeah. uh, any job is going to have, um, any radiology job is going to be some mix of outpatient work where you're seeing kind of usual cases in the community, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know cough, shortness of breath, mostly normal CTs. And then it's going to be a mix of then the, the more complex um, referral cases, which, which are unusual. And, you know, every medical center has their kind of specialty areas. Um, that they do. And, uh, you know, I'd say I do a lot of interstitial lung disease and a lot of more complex uh, lung cancer cases. Other other places will do other things. Uh, you know, some places do a lot of occupational lung work. Um, mm -hmm. Knock on wood, we don't have a lot of, um, <laughs> you know, coal mines or things like that around where I, where I work, so I don't do much of that. But yeah, everyone, everyone kind of finds Occupational exposures are not not quite as intense around here. <laughs> no, no, and everyone finds their own specialty, you know. And any job you take, you'll probably find something that you'll be become good at. <laughs> you know, if you work at an academic center, you really have to find something that's part of the job. Um, whereas if you're, you know, more of an outpatient general radiologist, you may still, you know, be friends with somebody in the community that runs a specialty clinic and learn how to read a specific type of case very well. So. Thank you for that. That's great to hear. Uh, it's interesting, like how diverse your exposure can be, kind of based on your choice and your interest. Um, so, would you mind just briefly explaining about your institution? Like, are you research oriented? Are you patient care oriented? Like, are you a big academic center? Just uh, you know, contextualize for anyone who who doesn't know uh, Yale. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So um, Yale is a big academic center. It's a large university hospital, but then like every other academic center in this country currently, we, we bought up a bunch of small community hospitals and own a bunch of small outpatient centers. So mm -hmm. I, I think that at this point, pretty much any radiology practice is going to be sort of a combination <laughs> of both, um, I guess, community work, which is more, you know, focused on patients. 
doing things like lung cancer screening, which you know occurs anywhere. But then also again, uh, we do have uh, you know PhDs that are doing basic science research at the hospital, uh, and I often you know do consult on those projects. I can't say that I own I don't have like a large NIH funded lab I run or anything like that, but. Um, you know, I do know who those people are locally, and sometimes they'll have a project idea they need to run across a clinical person, or, you know, they need, you know, advice about segmenting something, <laughs> things like that. So we, we, I do do some research. I do do a little bit of research. It's um, whenever you get a job in, at an academic medical center, usually your contract will specify a percentage of time you're supposed to spend between research, uh, clinical, and education. Um, I, I think I'm currently at like 85% clinical and 15% education and research. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I do supervise residents when I'm at the hospital um, and do a lot of um, teaching at the workstation, which I enjoy. Um, and then, you know, just occasional research projects and uh, the rest of it is clinical. You know, there's always a yeah. ton of chest CTs and chest x-rays to read, so that's what I do. Mm-hmm. But when the researchers, you know, need something, uh, you are sort of a point of contact in the clinical care side. That's great. Um, thank you for that. So sort of moving on to, to what you, what you're interested in, uh, either in thoracic radiology or just radiology in general. Um, you have an engineering background, so I imagine you have a lot to say about this, but um, what do you find most exciting about your specialty? Um, what what are you your interests and what are you working on now uh or maybe what do you see happening in the future of either your uh, specialty or radiology in general yeah so um what i uh as you alluded to <laughs> i do have a background in engineering and uh i really was i i like uh, the focus on technology um so i i do saw a lot of work with informatics and um basically both using the compute, both using the software and technology we have to try to optimize the workflow in the radiology department, but also um, developing new software to try to, I guess, either make things faster or more accurate, or uh, uh, just try to improve the general the work. And um, you know, I started with this with much more um, things like image processing, or particularly when I was at BU, but. Um, the field has evolved quite a bit and over the last few years the real trend now is artificial intelligence and deep learning um you know there was this whole thing where computer scientists figured they were going <laughs> to replace radiologists with ai and that that is something that i don't think is going to come to pass anytime soon but mm-hmm. what's what's what is exciting though is that ai can do a lot of um the more i, I want to say menial tasks that radiologists were assigned to so it kind of frees you up to do more of the um, the research or consulting on complicated cases, and trying to get um, AI software to do those tasks is really a lot of what I I spend my academic and administrative time on, and I, I do I think it's exciting because I think it will help radiologists work a lot more efficiently and work. Um, you know, more on the problems that require physicians as opposed to, you know, protocoling studies or doing administrative work or, you know, quality checking, you know, dozens of x-rays, things like that. And they're, they're things that I'm um, really been working to uh, 
you know, kind of come up with new software and new techniques to do those things better. So that, that's what I think is uh, yeah. interesting. You know, that background of technology, in addition to the clinical work, is something that's always interested me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned uh, that you have some projects evaluating commercial algorithms. So let's maybe not name names, but say Philips <laughs> um, comes to you. Like, do they come to the academic center and say, Hi, we have this beta test, and we want you to to look at old scans, or like how does how does that? It works in a lot of different ways. You know, what's interesting is that uh, it used to be just a bunch of large companies. It used to be GE and Philips, kind of they would increment their you mm. know software. And really, what's interesting is the last few years, there's been a lot of venture capital going into these startup companies that do AI algorithms. It's, it's become more of a uh, I want to say an open field with smaller groups. And a lot of these smaller groups will then go out and offer the, their algorithms to research centers. Mm -hmm. uh, and we will try to test it to see whether it, you know, does something that's either useful, if it's a workflow kind of software, or, you know, to test it against clinical outcomes if they believe that they have something that could potentially be FDA approved and used on patients. Um, yeah. So that is... Uh, what we do and there's a couple of them that have proved useful and then once we think in a small test batch it proves useful someone has to really go through and try to integrate that into the actual uh, system you know because a, a medical center like Yale has you know 100 over 100 radiologists you know reading i think almost in you know, close to a million studies a year so it, it sort of oh. runs like a big company yeah. if you have this sort of corporate um i, I guess idea idea of the, well, the way things run and when you bring on new technology people on the clinical side have to really work to integrate that and that's sort of what comes i guess from my engineering background you know things like learning how to you know optimize workflows and things like that i, I don't want to name names but there's some uh, workflow manager software we've recently uh, used where it essentially checks the studies before radiologists open them and then suggests which studies the radiologist should do next, essentially wow. trying to get it so that you read them, instead of just reading them in the order they were done, you read them in the order of how important they are. Uh, so yeah. that's something recently, <laughs> which is, which has helped out again, makes the whole system work more efficiently. So. Yeah, yeah, that is tremendously exciting. Uh, yeah, I hope all that work goes well. Um, yeah, and it's it's definitely the place to be if you have that interest in engineering and kind of the intersection of engineering and medicine. So great, great. Thank, thank you. Um, so now so listeners can kind of get more of an idea of uh, who you are. Um, uh, I wanted to ask uh, how how did you choose medicine or how did you choose radiology? You can you can start at either either path. Uh, if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a long, complicated road, as, uh, which is <laughs> bad news to <laughs> student listeners, but uh, um, it's a complicated road. I started out as an engineering student and as well as pre-med at uh, Boston University. And uh, you know, I wasn't 100% sure when I got to college exactly which way I wanted to go. Um, I graduated, so I did both, you know, programs. And when I was an engineering student, I actually did work in the radiology department. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, software that made 3D reconstructions of brains, I think, at the time. <laughs> so um, I did that work and I knew what radiology was, but I wasn't completely sure I wanted to go into medicine. So I actually took an engineering job out of college. Uh, I worked there for a while and decided I didn't really like it. <laughs> so I decided I did need to go to, um, you know, pursue the medicine part. I went to, uh, I, I didn't originally get into medical school. I did a, uh, a post-bac program in uh, Philadelphia, mm -hmm. uh, which I actually, during that program, which was a master's degree program, I did more research in radiology as it happened. Um, and uh, again, neuroradiology. So research. even before, yeah, even before med school, yeah. you were quite uh, oh, familiar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I had, I had had some exposure before I got to med school, and then I went to med school. And as you you do, you rotate through all the specialties. Uh, I had kind of narrowed it down to either internal medicine or um, radiology when I was choosing residencies and just kind of decided that uh, radiology was the right way to go. I thought that the um, the work was more interesting and it's tough because you don't have a great feel as a medical student as to exactly what you do. But, um, um, you know, I did my internship in internal medicine and then did my residency in radiology. And I did really like radiology as I was doing my residency. I, I felt that I had uh, <laughs> made the right choice going through it. So, um, you know, and then within radiology, you um, basically, again, in residency, you rotate through all the um, subspecialty areas. So there's breast imaging, chest imaging, mm -hmm. uh, body imaging, things like MSK, so musculoskeletal MRs. Um, you, you do a lot of different specialty types of, of um, radiology. And then um, from there, you can either choose to just, once you complete your residency, go into practice, mm -hmm. or you can do a fellowship. Um, at this point, most people do fellowships, um, mm -hmm. but what's interesting is that doing a fellowship in a particular area doesn't really commit you to like doing that for the rest of your life. Uh, so uh, what, what ends up happening is you, you'll do a fellowship and, and while you're doing the fellowship, you're looking for an attending position job. And really uh, yeah. what you do for the rest of your life is really dictated by what type of job you take. Um, so as a, while I was doing my thoracic radiology fellowship, I looked at both, you know, private practice jobs where I would be doing a variety of imaging, but, you know, being the guy who knew about chest things. And then yeah. on the other hand, I looked at academic centers where, um, um, I really just was just be doing chest all the time. So really it's, it's really at the very end of your training that you have to kind of choose what you want to do. And the other good news for students who are considering this is that even the, when the job market is good, it's pretty easy to switch jobs. So if you, if you go and you do academics and you're like, oh my God, this is terrible, you can mm -hmm. switch pretty easily at the moment. You know, there's a lot of jobs open. And you can go into private practice. So you're not, with radiology, it's not like uh, something like, you know, a surgical specialty where you just learn how to do certain procedures and you have to do those procedures. Yeah radiology you do learn how to do all types of how to read all types of imaging and sort of what job you choose kind of dictates what kind of imaging you're going to read but again i i liked um i took the job that i have kind of based on because i thought it was the best in part because of i guess how much it paid and where it was located and then um and i started doing that job i really liked it and i just thought that i made the right choice and i like the work that i do now so 
that's uh, that's why I'm continuing to be here, and <laughs> that's how I got here, I guess. Yeah, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. So um, the choice, you know, when when you're looking for these attending jobs. Uh, could be where you want to be, or what you want to do, or a combination of both. And uh, um, it seems like adding fellowship experience is fantastic in radiology, uh, but it doesn't bind you to specifically, uh, you know, having that focus for the rest of your career, um, mm-hmm. which I think is really good. I think students like to hear that um, they don't necessarily have to have the same role. Uh, every day until uh, until they don't retire because nobody's retiring nowadays. But um, uh, uh, and you can get as diverse an exposure as you'd like. So you mentioned that during uh, residency you uh, cycled through, you know, a few areas, uh, reading different types of scans, doing breasts, doing MSK. Um, are those for like discrete three or four month segments or is it kind of like a few days of the week type of thing or um yeah it depends it depends a little bit on the program most programs mm. it's uh one month blocks mm-hmm. just because that's the easiest way to do it administratively i guess <laughs> but uh some places do two week blocks but for the most part um you'll spend a, a month in each section yeah so so you, you get know, some time to kind of be like okay, if I did this every day, which, which, you know, in most jobs you don't end up just doing that every day, but you can at least kind of figure out, oh, like, I really do like this, or... Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, uh, so, uh, on the on the sort of track of, you started your professional career um, as an engineer for a little bit, and then you decided you wanted to go to medical school, um, what did you have any mentors or people who kind of helped you along the way with any of those things yeah you know there was no dominant mentor person in my career path Mm -hmm. i guess Uh, what's interesting is that different people helped out at different times or with different um areas you know so when i was in engineering school you know and deciding between engineering and medicine you know there's there's different you're going to ask different people whether it's you know other people have gone through it recently or um advisors and then once you know at each stage of your career you're going to find different people who can advise you who you trust you know when i was a medical student i had asked other people who had recently matched in radiology as well as other specialties you know what they thought those people you know told me what to look for in a good residency program and I, I think that, um, you know, it's not one person. And in my case, it wasn't one person who guided me through. Um, it was, you know, just asking people who'd recently done what you're doing um, for advice on how to do it well. And uh, that was really what was most helpful. I was able to find those people at each stage. So really helped out. That's great. Yeah. And you're definitely in a unique position uh, coming from uh, working for a little bit and uh, and deciding to go to med school after that. So, yeah, you weren't you weren't exactly looking around for a specific advisor just to help you with med school, like when you were uh, in college or anything like that. So, um, thank you for that. Um, yeah, uh, I think uh, so far the big message has been to just ask more people about how they did it, why they did it, and sort of understand. Uh, whether that aligns with 
who you are and what what your interests are. So thank you for that. Um, that's why we're here today. Um, so to help students learn a bit more about who you are and, you know, if they have this vague idea they're going to be in academic radiology, um, uh, it might help to kind of know some of the personalities who are in it. Um, so how would you describe your personality? And you could do it any way you like. <laughs> Well, I will tell you that radiologists sometimes get an odd reputation among physicians. <laughs> we don't, uh, for the most part, we don't deal directly with patients. Um, we we do often sit in a dark room, looking at computers all day. And uh, uh, so, I will say that um, radiology is a specialty to consider if um, uh, if if the clinical, I guess, interactions are not what you had hoped when you got to medical school. I will say that that is out there. It's not that I don't like uh, talking to patients and I don't want to give that impression, but it's it's mm -hmm. much easier because in radiology, you're really talking to specialists, you know, and my, my job, I, um, I'm talking to pulmonologists and thoracic surgeons about the work that I do much more so than the patients. So um, it's, it's much easier to talk on that level. So I, I guess I have the personality where I'm not as big on like you know, listening to people's feelings and emotions and the sort of thing that comes along with dealing with patients. I'm much more into, um, I guess, like solving problems and evaluating technology and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, the other thing that you got to sort of be, if you're a radiologist, is good at visual learning and visual patterns. I will tell you that even when I was in med school, like trying to learn biochemistry, I would get pictures of everything. I couldn't, I couldn't just look at like text of outlines. I had to make pictures of everything. And that's yeah. just too much. I mean, that really helps uh, if you're considering a career in radiology. I, I will say though that um, visual recognition tasks are something that you can train yourself to do. So if you haven't had experience and you're like, oh no, I don't know if I'm a visual learner, but I love radiology. I will tell people that you can train yourself to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so that is, you know, I don't want to scare people away, but but it was something that I was drawn to. <laughs> um, mm. I've always loved making diagrams and doing, you know, pictures. So that's, uh, I guess that's the main <laughs> personality. It's sort of like technology, I like solving problems. Yes. So to sort of follow up with that, you you mentioned that you're mostly the consultant between other professionals in radiology, so you, you don't really have direct patient contact. Um, I guess, so an exception would be like if you're probably if you're supervising like some breast radiology, like biopsies and doing stereotactic biopsies, and probably also uh, you did uh, mention a little bit earlier that uh, there's sort of a shift in radiology at the moment to try to give reports and images directly to the patients. Um, could you maybe speak to that or to the changes you're seeing? Sure. So, you know, I, I personally don't deal a lot with patients. If you are in radiology and you do like dealing with patients, uh, particularly radiologists who do a lot of procedures, Mm. Um, well, of course, interact with patients. Uh, when I was a fellow, actually, I, I did do a lot of lung biopsies. Mm. And so I got to meet a lot of the people whose, you know, lung cancer <laughs> studies I read. Uh, so if you like doing that, there are jobs out there to do that. I, I personally don't do much of it at the moment. Um, but the other, the other thing, as you alluded to, is that um, 
that at least in this country, government payers are governments and insurance companies are pushing radiologists to deliver the products that we do directly to patients. And that's kind of come in two forms. The first is that these reports, which we generate for each of these studies, which used to just be seen by other physicians, are now effectively being electronically sent to patients. So we're getting a lot of, um, mm -hmm. and you know, they can rate us, <laughs> so they can get feedback. So we're getting a lot of feedback that you know suggests that we make these reports much more um, understandable to the patients. And there's okay. certain technology tools that we're coming up with to try to make, I guess, to help people understand what it is we're saying in these reports. Um, and the other mm -hmm. thing is that in a lot of cases, my phone number goes on the reports that I, I generate, at least my professional office number. So I'm often talk to people on the phone, <laughs> I guess. So I occasionally have to talk to patients um, and describe, you know, who have questions about the imaging. Uh, so mm -hmm. that is out there too, and that's becoming more a part of radiology. You know, I don't want to scare people away who, who like talking to patients. You know, that there is certainly room in radiology for that, uh, and it's becoming more a part of the specialty. I would say, you know, insurance companies really do want us to um, deliver our imaging as a consumer product, I guess, is, is the way people are pushing it now. So yeah. there's increasingly, I guess, this ability to, to uh, reach out and talk. Although I will say that in my current job, I don't do very much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're dem demonstrating that there is a wide range of kind of places people will fit uh, and that things are changing at the moment. So uh, it's interesting that <laughs> they can, you can uh, <laughs> rate your radiologist you know who you probably don't really meet at any time during your procedures but um yeah you know, whether, whether um the radiologist contributed directly to that or not ultimately we're responsible for the functioning of the radiology department so we do take that seriously and we do spend a lot of time you know trying to optimize workflow and make things look nicer and <laughs> for the patients so that they you know are interested and like us and uh you know, part of it is it's a competitive specialty. You can choose which outpatient center you go for your chest CT. So there is some business competition aspect to it as well. Absolutely. So you have a lot of interprofessional relationships and uh, increasingly more so with patients. Uh, thanks for that. Um, and thanks for describing a bit about your personality. Uh, you're a visual learner and have always been. Um, but uh, we, we shouldn't be deterred by that because you can sort of learn it. So thanks for that. Um, yeah, so that brings us to the end of today's uh, interview. And to kind of close off, I wanted to uh, ask, you know, whether there's any recommendation you could make for medical students. It can be anything from like a book to a piece of advice or uh, just anything you've learned uh, so far in your career. Yeah, I, I guess um, the main thing that I... <laughs> tell medical students is first of all uh, follow what interests you you know in both the medicine you know when it comes to picking a specialty if you have some uh, you know unusual interest uh, you should really follow it you know I, I know people who've never thought they would do what they ended up doing um, but you know they followed their interest and now they found something they really like even if it wasn't what they originally planned or even if it wasn't what people thought they should do uh, and that also goes outside of medicine too. <laughs> you know, you really should have some kind of hobby and do something outside of medicine that you enjoy. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, 
uh, <laughs> you're going to be a very unhappy person. Um, and you got to make time for things outside of studying and academics. I know it's hard because it seems like the more you study, the better you'll do. And, you know, there's a constant peer pressure to do more and study more and make more mm. time in academics. But you really got to um, do something outside of medicine, do what interests you beyond medicine. So that, that's my main piece of advice. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, definitely part of knowing yourself is kind of knowing who you are outside of your job or anything like that. So that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, uh, I also wanted to give you, uh, do you have any sort of things you would like students to check out or um, like even a Twitter <laughs> uh, or, uh, you know, you can absolutely like if students have questions, uh, they can reach out via the podcast, so it's cxrpod at gmail.com and uh, we can forward any questions that they have specifically for you. Um, sure. But um, yeah, if, there, if there's I'm always happy to uh, I'm always happy to answer questions. I, I actually do have a Twitter handle, red <laughs> underscore bold, uh, which I took out because they said, oh, Twitter is the future. You know, I was at this conference a few years ago, like Twitter is the future, we have to reach out. So I, I took out the red doc Twitter handle and I can't say that I use it more than like <laughs> every month, monthly, but I rarely use it to be honest. But, uh, you know, there's certainly, if you're really, really interested, if you <laughs> if absolutely want to do um, thoracic technology, <laughs> the best thing to do is to go to the website and just look at um, these organizations because every specialty and subspecialty has these sort of um, um, sort of groups that mostly uh, promote the specialty but also have conferences and information about um, what radio what these uh, specialists do and for thoracic radiology the main one is the society of thoracic radiology there's also a couple of even more specific ones for cardiac imaging uh, like NASCI, uh, but but basically type in Thoracic Radiology Society into Google and you'll find these because there's different ones in different countries as well that are more specific. Um, I think there's even a New York City specific one that I've been invited to recently. Um, and those, those organizations really um, will help you kind of both understand what any subspecialty does and they usually have contacts if you want to mentor in that and they have, you know, resources you can find to learn more about it or when you're at each level whether medical student or resident so i'd say if you're really interested in thoracic radiology look at the society of thoracic radiology website um and uh kind of go from there following <laughs> follow that and uh, that's the best way to do it if you have any questions particularly for me i'm always happy to answer them thank you so yeah. much yeah so yeah. professional organizations you want to get started in those excellent uh okay well um Thank you so much for taking the time uh, today. Uh, I think it will be incredibly useful to medical students who are considering radiology and who are maybe thinking, oh, what does a diagnostic radiologist academic do? And, uh, you know, uh, I think you've done a really good job of uh, summarizing kind of your roles and like how you came into what you're doing and where your interests lie. So thank you again. Sure. Great. Great. Well, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Chris Ganji. If you liked this episode, 
please follow or rate us on iTunes, and please spread the word about CXR. Be curious, think about what's right for you, and see you next time.